Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and I'm joined today in a conversation with David Nahai. He's an environmental attorney, a political activist. He was the former general manager of Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. He's been part of the Clinton Climate Initiative. He's the head of David Nahai Associates, and he's a member of the Regional Water Quality Control Board. He's a friend. Delighted to have him on the show today. David, welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. It's great to see you today. How are you? Thank you, Ted, and it's great to see you as well. And uh, and uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Good, good. And as I said, we're going to do a, we're going to do a short interview, and we've got a lot we've got a lot of ground to cover. So we'll just dive right in. I really want to talk with you about water. Uh, obviously, your your role in the and the Water Control Board, uh, the, the Regional Water Control Board. Uh, but it seems like your interest in water goes way back in in your life to your youth in Iran. And I read in an article that you you were discussing this whole notion of of salak or this this common skin disease. Can you can you and that that was an early trigger in your life to get you on this path that you've that you've been pursuing. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, you know, I was I was asked. You know, so what was it initially that? That uh, that you know piqued your interest in the environment and uh, and led you to become active in the environmental arena. And in thinking about it, I I, I think it was it was that. Uh, my father was was uh, was a sufferer of this uh, skin disease right. called Salak, and it's a it's a disease which kind of it scars the face. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, my father was a was was a very resilient, very successful, very handsome man. But nevertheless, uh, he he carried this uh, throughout his life, and and it and it struck me as a at a very young age that that this was an example of a government's betrayal. Um, that that if there was a central basic uh, responsibility that a government has towards its people is to provide a clean environment, clean air, clean water. Um, and for me, everything starts from there. And so I think, I think at a very young age, it just, um, it struck me. And, and, uh, and I, I think, as looking back on it, I think it's, it's informed um, a, a lot of what I've done in the environmental arena. And now we're going to fast, fast, fast forward to the Regional Water Quality Control Board. And you have been on the board at chairman most of the time it seems for for four different terms or is it four different gubernatorial appointments or you've been talk about talk about how long you've been there right off the bat and what it is um well it's correct i've been appointed by four uh, different california governors uh, to the water board um and uh, uh and so i i served uh three terms on the three governors uh, consecutively and then I had a break from it um, uh, where I, I went to lead the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power as its general manager uh, and then I came back mostly to the to the private sector but then uh, last year Governor Newsom uh, reappointed me to the water board uh, and I was confirmed by the state senate uh, uh, for the again for the fourth time uh, as a uh, to, you know as a water board member. Talk about the water the, the water board because there's the state there's the state water control board right 
And then there's nine regional water, then gets into water quality control boards. Is that right? Right. Yes, there's the, there's the state water resources control board. There we and, go. And there, there are nine regional water quality control boards. I mean, that is the name, but I think, I think as for our region, uh, it goes beyond just taking care of water quality. Uh, more and more, the water board is becoming part of the water supply, water quantity kind of apparatus of the, of the region. Um, our region, Region 4, is, uh, is, you know, Los Angeles County, Ventura County, parts of Kern and Santa Barbara counties, um, home to, to something like 10 million uh, people um, with uh, 99 cities. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a very, it's a very complicated um, kind of area to have jurisdiction over, but it's the regional board's responsibility to protect um, the, you know, water quality throughout the region. That's coastal waters, surface waters, rivers, and groundwater uh, as well. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's like, I know something like 4,000 square miles and 120 miles of coastline. It's a, it's a vast uh, area. So interesting. And then now the, the State Water Resources Control Board, that's part of the California EPA, is that right? Yes, and so are the regional boards. Mm -hmm. They're all part of CAD EPA. And so you, ha you, have, a, you have an authority, obviously. You, you, can, uh, you can set policy, is that right? Yes, for, for, our, for our region, we have, we have the following kind of uh, areas of, um, of responsibility. Uh, it's, you know, planning and assessment. That's like setting what are called total maximum daily loads or, or TMDLs. It's doing the basin plan uh, in, in order to arrive at just, you know, what, what level of uh, what level we call clean in terms of, uh, of water quality. We have a permitting uh, function uh, to basically regulate um, uh, the, the, you know, pollutants that get discharged into our rivers. Uh, we regulate, uh, you know, sewage treatment plants. Uh, we regulate uh, the 99 cities within our jurisdiction in terms of uh, uh, controlling, you know, urban runoff pollution. Uh, you know, everything that gets left on the streets that washes out uh, to the ocean. Um, we, have a, we have an enforcement function uh, to, to enforce against um, people who don't, uh, uh, you know, who don't observe the law and cause uh, pollution. Um, we, uh, you know, we, 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 we have to regulate uh, contaminated sites to try to bring them back into productive use. So it's a, it's a very broad yeah. portfolio, both of responsibilities and, uh, and powers. Yes, I must say, and I, I don't think that the average person knows that 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 these that i in fact i certainly didn't understand it, even if um i had no idea the breadth of your responsibility and your powers as, as you've described it can you give an example where the board had to sort of lay down the law um or uh your sword the rubber hits the road here um where maybe somebody was polluting and you had to come in swoop in and how you handled it yeah well i, I 
Um, I, I don't think I should discuss specific cases, but but we do have a case that's coming up right now where a, a very s- substantial fine is being imposed against a, a polluter and, and you know, uh, or somebody who's alleged to be a, a polluter, and we will have to go through through the process. So there is that enforcement that happens. Um, but, I, but I think you know, one of the most significant things that we've done recently is, is the issuance of a permit called the MS4 permit. And what the MS4 permit does, and this is the permit that's issued to the 99 cities that are within the regional board's um, uh, jurisdiction, and basically, uh, it, it you know the permit recognizes that that the largest threat to our coastal waters right now comes from urban runoff pollution. It comes from all of the detritus of of society that gets left on the streets and and it, and whenever there's a, any kind of rain or you know it gets washed out to the ocean, uh, untreated, uh, pollutes. Uh, uh, the, the the beaches um, uh, adversely affects our coastal economy, makes people sick who who swim and recreate. Our kids who recreate at, at our beaches. So so the the idea here is to to require uh, each city to to take care of what gets left on their streets so as to reduce the threat to the ocean. It's a it's a very complicated process to go through um, to try to ask cities who are far away from the ocean but nevertheless are connected to the ocean through our vast storm drain system to um, to spend the money the time the resources uh, to ensure that uh, that whatever is left on their streets from pesticides and bacteria and trash and oil and cigarettes and so on uh, uh, that that they prevent that yeah. from 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 polluting the coast. Yeah. Let's talk about the drought, the cur- the current drought, and we've had another record-breaking drought. Is, is this the new normal? And you 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 talked about how you have gotten now involved uh, through the board. You you've been involved at also the supply side of the equation. Yes, I mean you know I, I dealt very much with the supply side when I was the general manager at. Uh, at LADWP, um, and uh, and I, I think really supply and quality of water are are uh, you know are indistinguishable. Uh, they're you know they're two sides of, of the same coin, really. Um, you know I I don't know how you feel, Ted, but I I I, um, I don't want to call it the new normal because we shouldn't accept that this is normal. Uh, it's not. It's, it's anthropogenic climate change. It's what we have done to our own planet. And it's, uh, um, and it's deplorable, actually. But, but we're feeling the effects of climate change. And as a result, um, I believe we have to expect that we're going to have these long years of, of severe drought um, with, with, with all of the really horrific impacts that come with it from wildfires to to farmers having to fallow their land to 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 people's health getting endangered because of extreme heat events and so on um so so we we have to we have to mobilize 
in order to deal with those impacts, what we call adaptation or, or resilience. Uh, but I, I do believe that these periods of extreme dryness will be followed with periods of extreme precipitation. Um, more rain that we will want. I think those are the predictions for the patterns of climate change. And I think that, uh, that that is what we can expect to happen. What we have to to try to do is to make sure that when that rain falls, uh, that, we're, that we're able to capture it and not let it heat, hit all of our impervious surfaces, our streets, our roofs, our freeways, and wash out to the ocean to be wasted. Um, so I, I think I, I think we have to we have to just flip our water paradigm, our water supply paradigm, on its head and think about it completely differently. The days uh, of being able to import cheap, plentiful water, which is what our model has been here in Southern California, I think those days are, are numbered, and I think we've long recognized that. We have to do things differently. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And what what kinds of things did you do when you're at DWP to reduce water? Well, we, um, uh, you, you know, I mean, I'm very proud of the success that we had in reducing water consumption because it was not something that people were, were terribly used to. Um, but we did it using a number of, of different tools. I think primarily uh, a public education you know, outreach um, to, to teach, not to teach, but to remind people that we're all in the same water boat um, and, that, and that conservation is something that helps all of us. Uh, we deployed, um, you know, qualified people to go out into neighborhoods and talk to people who looked like they were wasting water and, uh, and uh, remind them of their responsibilities and we gave these people the, the ability to actually issue tickets um, for, for wasting water. We introduced a whole number of incentives such as uh, cash back for people who would you know, get rid of their lawns and replace it with artificial turf or rebates on, on, you know, on water saving uh, you know, equipment and, and, uh, and, and gadgets and, and so on. Uh, but also, I have to say, we also deployed uh, shortage year rates, um, which basically meant uh, that, uh, that the more water you use, uh, the more you're going to pay for it. Uh, so that uh, so that we all we we appealed, we appealed to the to the better nature of people. Uh, we 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 provided incentives through through you know rebates and and so on. Uh, but we also I had to bring in uh, sticks in terms of uh, tickets and uh, and higher water rates. And you know, I like to think, Ted, that what was most successful was the public outreach campaign, um, but I can't be sure. All I know is that the combination of these things worked. Yes, I can well imagine that there are some that would only respond uh, once their pocket is burning, once the bill is burning a hole in their pocketbook. And, and I have to say, there, there are some who won't respond even then. Even then, even then, of course not. They need, the, they need their lawns, of course. Um, and then I, I think I read in one, in one of the articles as I was preparing for this discussion about 
you talking a little bit about Israel's success with really reusing all water or, or almost all of it instead of letting it go out to the ocean. Is that a fair statement uh, that they are quite ahead of us in terms of uh, water efficiency in that regard? Um, yes, in terms of wastewater recycling, they certainly are. Uh, they recycle 80 to 90% of their wastewater. Now, they recycle most of it for agricultural use. And doing that, they've been able to, to make the Negev bloom. But, you know, I don't think we need to go as far as Israel or Singapore uh, to, to, to see models of successful uh, wastewater um, uh, reuse. We can just go down the 405 freeway to Orange County. Mm -hmm. uh, the Orange County Water District um, basically subsists on, uh, on, uh, uh, on treated wastewater. And so there we are, uh, a, a, you know, in a, a very conservative uh, community. And yet, uh, a lot of their water, and the majority of it, is treated wastewater. And, um, and they all look perfectly healthy to me. So we need, we need to do a lot more here in Los Angeles and, and throughout California. As I understand that system, the, the water does go through the, 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 filtrate, the filtering of the natural soil, right? Getting down into the aquifer and it recharges the aquifer. So it's, it's got at a serious, it's really using a biological system uh, to, to filter, right? Oh, yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that system is called indirect potable reuse. So, so, so the wastewater is treated to a very high degree with reverse osmosis and ultraviolet uh, uh, treatment and, and so on. I mean, it really um, uh, is, 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 is treated to the umpteenth degree. And then it's transported to spreading grounds and allowed to uh, filter through the soil for additional cleaning. Uh, to replenish groundwater, and then it's extracted and treated again before being served to the public. Now, that's indirect potable reuse. We have the technology today for direct potable reuse. Um, and, uh, and, I, and, and I know that there are regulations being developed at the State Water Board uh, to, to ensure that uh, the direct potable reuse will be safe, uh, 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 you know, as safe as, uh, as, uh, as indirect potable reuses. Why don't we do more of that? What, what's the barrier? Uh, start with the indirect or the direct, either, either one. Is, there, is, it a, is it a cost? It sounds like it's not a technological barrier. Is it a cost barrier or is it really a, a human uh, reluctance uh, to, to adopt water systems like that? Uh, um, I, I think, you know, as with most things in life, it, it's, it's a number of things. I think, uh, I think previously there was some kind of, in my view, unjustified psychological resistance to yeah. the idea. Um, but it was unwarranted. And, and, and I'm absolutely certain that today we're over that. Um, I don't, in, in all of in all of what I do and all of the people that I speak to, I, I, I don't see that as being any kind of uh, an issue. Um, now, with, with, with everything water, one 
uh, you know, one has to think about cost and investment. So while while we were in this, while we've been in a situation that we can get water here in Los Angeles from the from the from the Sacramento San Delta, from the Colorado River, from the Owens Valley, and have that water come to LA from hundreds of miles away, cheap and abundant. Um, it it you know it it doesn't provide any kind of incentive to invest in other things, stormwater capture, wastewater uh, uh, recycling, and so on. But as that water becomes scarcer and more expensive, uh, it 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 now it now compels us to produce uh, uh, you know our own water from different. Uh, sources. And now within the hierarchy of the kinds of things that we can do, there are cost and investment considerations all along. So for instance, the cheapest water is water that is conserved, right? Water that's just not used. Wastewater recycling has a cost. Stormwater capture has a cost. Aquifer cleaning of our aquifers has a cost. Um, But more and more, these costs are becoming comparable, if not cheaper, than imported water. I think the most expensive of, of the kind of you know, water fixes is ocean desalination, which is by far the, the most expensive way to go, and therefore, you know, probably you know, the, the, the lowest on the, on the priority ladder of, of, uh, of what one should do. Interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad you touched on that. I had written down desalinization as you were as you were talking there. Let's talk about the tension between agriculture and, and people. I guess uh, in urban populations in California, I mean it's, it's it's some extraordinary the amounts of water that that go into growing things that we export. I mean, I think almonds. I think isn't it true that almonds the almond crop requires as much water as San Francisco and Los Angeles combined, or Massive amounts of water going to agriculture, and how does how do you feel about that? And what's the where's the balance? And does the does your board get involved with that, or does that happen at the state level? Or well, our board does get involved with it, and uh, and it is coming up uh, in terms of uh, mostly in Ventura County, which is which has uh, a lot of agriculture, not in LA County, which has uh, hardly any at all, and. Um, uh, and so I won't I won't comment on it at length because we're going to be considering the the ag permit that's going to be coming up, and I and I don't I don't want to leave the impression that I've that I've prejudged anything because I, I haven't I have to sit there and listen to the evidence that is that is presented and come to a decision as to um, as to you know. The, the regulations that are going to be uh, to be issued. I will say this: you know, the the ag community will will uh, will dispute um, uh, very vigorously uh, the idea that uh, that that they're water wasters or that or that they use uh, you know untold amounts of of water that they're profligate uh, in the way that they in the way that they use water. Um, that being said, it, it, it's clear. I think everybody knows that there are certain crops 
that are thirstier than others. Uh, you've mentioned almonds, uh, cannabis, a very thirsty crop, and there are many illegal uh, cannabis um, uh, uh, you know, uh, production sites that, uh, that, that take water that, that they shouldn't be taking. So I think, I think as we go forward, the, the issue of, of the kind of crop that's being uh, grown um, uh, you know, will become, will become uh, an important one. Um, you know, I don't see, you know, ag and municipal as, uh, as different. I see us all being Californians and all being, um, having to collaborate. So, for instance, if we take the city of Los Angeles, Ted, you know, as you know, if we conserve more, if we capture our rainfall, if we recycle our wastewater, if we clean up our groundwater basins and therefore reduce our dependence on imported water from Northern California and from the Colorado River, well, necessarily that will leave some water for others, right? So in doing that kind of thing, we've not only helped ourselves gain a measure of in independence, but we've, we've also relieved uh, the burden uh, uh, on, on others. And I, and I think it also kind of will provide us with the moral high ground to then be able to say to others, look, look, look at the investment that the people of Los Angeles have made. You know, rates have risen. There have been financial sacrifices. There have been, uh, you know, innovation that's been done here. Um, what will you do? to do your uh, you know, fair share of ensuring that California as a whole um, can, uh, uh, you know, can thrive and, uh, and get over the water crisis, which I think uh, is gonna become water crises over, over uh, many years. So we're seeing, uh, you're suggesting a, a movement towards net zero water. Um, just as we have a sort of a net zero energy movement. Yes, I I don't know I don't know that we that we get there with water. It's a, it's a different, you know, uh, you know, what what water is just different. You know, people view water as sacred. Uh, you know, we can't live without it. Yeah. And um, uh, and there is and there 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 is a there, there is a sacredness uh, uh, to water, which uh, you know. Yes, people get anxious uh, when the power goes out, but they don't fear, you know, death, um, at least not for the most part. Um, uh, you know, here in Los Angeles, we cannot imagine a situation in, in which we turn the tap and nothing comes out. We can't conceive of it. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we have a responsibility to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. But maybe well, we're moving towards water self-sufficiency, I guess a better way of putting it, uh, through very efficient use, stormwater capture, rainwater capture, re reclamation practices, the whole bit. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic pursuit. I'm so glad that you're at the water board and, and um, putting all of your professional energy into it. What, are, what, what would you say you're most passionate about? I mean, I know you wrote a book on commercial real estate. You work. You work in energy. You you represent companies that are overseas and they, them doing business here, and vice versa. Well, where do you get your most 
uh, enjoyment or where what are you passionate about at work um uh, well you know i i don't uh, i don't you know p- people distinguish between work and and not work um uh i i don't i think i'm kind of like you when it comes to when it comes to that you know my my work whether it's whether it's my consulting work my legal work my investment work um you know the the the, the time that i spent writing uh, uh i mean two books on uh, on commercial real estate transactions it's 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 not work it's um um uh, it's it's how it's how i how, how i live my life but i but i i think i think you know if if you say well, you know what what is it that you find rewarding well yes i find my private sector work my law firm my consulting company our investment company yeah i find all of that rewarding but um it it doesn't begin to compare with the satisfaction one gets from public service so the regional water board uh you know i'm i'm chairman of the los angeles business council a progressive uh business organization um that that truly understands that uh that you know that 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 business can play an enormous role in uh, in fighting the climate crisis um so uh, you know uh, recently ted i i uh, I became chair of uh, of the business advisory council to the superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District superintendent Carvalho and um and you know so so that's that that's a role in in which one looks at schools and sustainability and how to green campuses and so on and I I just feel so I feel privileged um to be a part of of uh, of these things and uh and yeah yeah it's uh, it it these things fuel my passion <laughs> that's great really well put how exciting how exciting and and there must be times when you just want to unplug from it all and uh how do you do that how do you maintain a balance here you when you got on the call you obviously had, had a busy day i could tell uh <laughs> um well uh, i mean i i uh, i I I do I do reserve some time to myself you know I I uh, I go to the gym I work out I try to take care of my my health um uh you know I I uh, in the in in the evenings I spend time with my with my wife um uh we've been uh, enormously fortunate Ted uh, to now have a granddaughter um I have a, a she'll be turning 3 soon and she's just just i don't know facetiming with her and spending time time with her is a, is is a is a delight um but in terms of balance between work and uh, and uh, other pursuits um i i i don't have i don't have a good balance um i don't i like i like to say you know uh, 50% of my time goes on my law firm 50% on my consulting company 50% on other business matters 50% on the on the regional board <laughs> so i've 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 never been good at striking that balance i'm i'm sorry to say 
Well, you, you love what you do and you're making a big difference. So keep, keep taking your, keep going to the gym and taking your vitamins, David. But, uh, thank you so much for this discussion today. It's been great to spend a few minutes with you and to, uh, and to learn from you about the waterboard. It's uh, fascinating. Have a great, have a great afternoon. Thank you so much, Taylor. And I always learn from you too. And it's just such a pleasure to see you and, and uh, spend some time speaking with you. Thank you. Great. Take care, David. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.